Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as new apps fight for survival and Apple rumors run reckless. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, it's Memorial Day here, so I've had the day off, although doing lots of stuff around the house, but it's still nice to relax, play some games, and then talk about games. Yes, happy Memorial Day to anyone, even though you'll listen to this after the fact. But this is going to be our last episode before WWDC actually happens. The keynote on June 5th, 10 a.m. Pacific. Apple's going to be streaming it live, so you can just watch it on your iOS device or your computer or however you may like at 10 a.m. to see this super long event that's going to cover all kinds of stuff. And we were kind of talking before the show that... There's iOS and macOS are both they've picked Apple's picked the low hanging fruit. So it's really kind of tough to go over this. Oh, they're going to fix this and they're going to do that. It's a little bit tougher to kind of find the improvements for their operating systems. Right. Yeah. And even just thinking about what would a key feature that I still am looking for, even that was kind of tough. The only thing I could really think of is to be able to on iOS assign my default programs so like if i always want to use chrome have it open everything in chrome if that's what i have it's never going to happen because apple doesn't want you to do that but that would still be in my wish list and then the ability to have a one touch close all my open apps because as much as they'd like to do their memory management and say they 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 optimize everything it doesn't slow things down i definitely notice if i have 20 25 apps still open because I just kept on opening things and never bothered to close. I especially noticed this on the device my daughters use. Uh, I wish there was just that single button that I could just hit and then everything would close and not have to swipe through every single thing that's open to close them. So those would be, I guess, my two features that still don't exist in iOS. But other than that, I really couldn't think of anything really, really important that I that I'm missing. Yeah, I can't think of major feature like now I, I want to update to iOS 11 to get this. I want to get the beta as soon as it's available because this feature is new awesome. I I can't think of anything like that. I mean, there's the simple improvements like adopting features from third-party apps into their main apps like, you know, the snooze behaviors in these mail apps into the stock mail app or improving calendar so it displays more like Fantastical and just little things like that improvements to photos to be more like Google Photos improvements to camera so it adopts more like pro camera camera plus type features but those it's not like game changing features it's Apple adopting what's already out there even the idea of having a text-based Siri or making animated apps app icons like the weather showing the current live temperature i mean they put widgets in notification center it might not be the best implementation but it does a lot of these things even control center they split into two windows with the last update so some people kind of want an improved control center and maybe even a, con- a customizable one but that's you know it's not game-changing features Right. And I almost hope that there is something major to force me to update, because the one thing I'm still really concerned about 
it is game changing because I have a whole pile of games that say they are not going to work with iOS 11 because the app up the apps have not been updated to support 64 bit yet. And some of these, I don't know if they ever will be. And so I have a, it, it's in particular, I'm noticing on a large chunk of my digital board games, especially everything from Playdeck, they haven't bothered to update anything for 64 bit. So all of these apps are no longer even going to start work come iOS 11. So that's an incentive for me not to update right away if I want to continue using these games that I, that I tend to play fairly often. So I, I, I don't know if Apple is going to end up being lenient on this, even though they've kind of had this strong push to force developers to do it, or if they'll have more lead time and allow them a little more time. But I don't know. So that's one thing that could be a detriment if you do upgrade. Right. I didn't even think of that. One other piece for iOS is really the iPad to have its own standalone operating system rather than just a version that's essentially made for phones. Something that truly takes advantage of the iPad, especially when it's quote-unquote iPad Pro. So you'd want something to do that, but I can't see Apple splitting iOS up or having a substantially different version for iPad built into the main iOS and just you know unnecessary features on the iPhone. Right. Well, my one concern about that, too, was we finally are starting to see most people adopt the universal app. And we don't have these annoying, you have to buy the app twice, once for your iPad, once for your iPhone. If they if they do splinter off iOS into two different versions, does that eliminate the ability to do this uh, universal app? Or does it make it more difficult that we're going to start to see these apps split into iPad, separate iPad and iPhone versions again? which was super annoying before, and I hope we don't go back to that. But in the same, in the same vein, though, I do kind of wish that we did have more features and were able to do more with the iPad. I think if they ever really want to get to that point where it replaces a computer, it needs to do more. It can't just rely on just standard stock iOS. It has to be its own operating system that can do more than it does right now. Yeah, the iPad... It would have to take advantage of split screen where you could drag and drop things effortlessly between two apps you're running side by side, or then have a special like quick access iFiles type system where you're going to actually act like Finder style through the files on your device. Apple, I don't think, is ever going to open up iOS to have that same kind of macOS Finder type of system, but that's kind of the pro style you would need for an iPad to even come close to replacing a MacBook or any PC or any kind of yeah yeah so I mean Mac OS in its own right doesn't have that much to do it's pretty mature operating system the kind of only question I have is what piece of California they're going to name OS (laughs) (laughs) 10.13 that is a good point I didn't even think of that last time I was completely wrong so I have no idea you know California better than I do well, so they did Sierra, and then we have specific. That was after Yosemite. They could do Redwood. I like that because that's like a nice, strong, big wood. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could do things that aren't in Northern California, some Southern California aspects. But that's kind of the only question I have for Mac OS because I'll update. It's no big deal. And then TV OS. I mean, they they updated that TV app already, so now the only thing I care about is that Amazon Prime standalone app, so I don't have to use AirPlay and have it disconnect if I pause it for more than a minute. 
Yes, yes, that will be very nice once I add that in. And then Watch OS, it seems like the first generation watch might not get updated with Watch OS with the new version just because they might have a bunch of new features for Watch OS, but the first gen might not be able to handle it. And then maybe some features aren't compatible on your watch. And so I don't even want to get into Watch OS because I have that first gen watch and I know it's getting to that point of obsolete status. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. I mean, when you know that they're going to almost kind of force you to upgrade in order to move, continue on, it's tough when you reach that point. And unfortunately, the watch, I think, is going to hit that faster than phones ever did just because they want pe- it's the type of thing they want people to be upgrading. They don't want people to have they've learned their lesson from from these other devices people tend to carry on for years and years they really have to find a device that's consumable that people kind of go through and hire kind of upgrade more often so that they have that constant revenue stream and i think they're going to try that with the watch yep and then beyond software there is a lot of hardware kind of rumors and the first one is that siri smart speaker to compete directly with the amazon echo and I don't know how valuable that is. I mean, I guess it lets people more into the Apple ecosystem. I don't know if you would buy it if you didn't already have an iPhone or a Mac. But if you already had those, do you want a separate speaker to do that? Like Amazon doesn't have that connection into your house already like Apple does. Right. Uh, the only place I could foresee you maybe wanting is like in your kitchen or something. It's maybe you want to have something can show you recipes or and you don't want to put your phone there because you don't want it to get ruined or have it play music in a speaker that's actually better than like just playing from your phone right those are the only reasons i could see someone going for it at this point i think the the market is so saturated people either have their phones which already have siri on them or they have one of the amazon devices somewhere in their house already and do they really need to replace it they already have something that does what they need so i don't know i think they're kind of late to the game on this and i'm not sure how well it's going to do but i could be wrong yeah i guess it has to be great (laughs) yeah and then there's the ipad pro the 10.5 inch nearly bezel-less design that has a good chance of actually making it for this event though apple might hold it And then the MacBooks are going to get probably the update with just a processor increase because the big design change was last fall. So this could get a processor upgrade. And like we hinted a couple episodes ago, maybe a price drop so the entry level isn't $17.99. Yes, yep. Agreed. And so that's WWDC 2017 kind of preview. You can tune in, like I said, June 5th, 10 a.m. Pacific to see what actually all entails. And on our next episode, we'll go through everything Apple actually announced and talk about it then. Yep. And so the App Store is chugging along with a ton of new games. But on the app side of things, each week it seems to get become tougher and tougher to actually find worthwhile apps. Because a lot of people have come to the point where... They know what app they're using for calendar and camera and news and scores and weather. And they're pretty much set with, you know, these stock apps. And so it's tougher to release a new version of these apps that you've become ingrained with, as well as come up with kind of new functions on apps. Like a new game, that can always be appealing, like a new racing game. Okay, great. But apps, it's a lot tougher. 
Right. I think people tend to just default to what's there for apps. They just they use the stock apps and very, I would say, a small percentage actually go out and try something that's outside of the stock app. They If it comes on the phone and they can just access it nice and easily, you're going to have most people just doing that. They're not going to go out and try to find something that's better because it's something different that they have to learn and where they might just already be used to this or they know if it, they have a problem, it's Apple's built-in thing, they can just get support that way. As for games, they can just, those obviously there's something new and different and enticing with going and downloading a game. So I think it's a lot easier for games to really proliferate in this market, but as far as apps go, you have to do something to stand out, and where Apple really doesn't do a great job promoting apps, it, it's tough, because they'll promote things that are super old that got an update. And they don't even promote anything new. Like, so if you look at that featured new apps, the vast majority of them are old things that have just been updated. So it's, there's not a lot there that Apple's doing to just show you these new apps or help you find brand new, exciting apps. And that makes it tougher for us. And then really there's nothing worthwhile this week. So that gives us more time (laughs) for games. (laughs) And the first one is Reckless Getaway 2. The sequel is not like a direct comparison to the original. The original gave you specific kind of like a story-driven campaign where you had specific environments to avoid the cops and there was a finish line to get to as you went through these different environments. Reckless Getaway 2 transitions it to more of a free-flowing kind of open-world survive as long as you can. It's similar to Paco Car Chase, but it's amped up with this more open world, free flowing idea rather than little tiny pieces uh, to move in. And really, there's a lot going on in these scenes. And there's five different scenes that are tied to and unlocked based on the cars that you get. So you start out with just like a regular sedan and you're driving through an urban area. But then every hundred coins, you can unlock a new car. The coins come pretty red- readily in terms of the free gifts that come. And you'll unlock all kinds of cars. You'll have something as small as a golf cart, or you can have something as big as a garbage truck. And then they're tied to these different areas. So you might, I unlock this old-timey tractor, and then that unlocked the rural area, and then it changed the scene so it's sepia-toned, and then there's this old-time music to go with it. So they really fully fleshed out the different ideas. And then each car has two missions to complete. Those missions vary, but it can be like reach a certain amount of airtime or cause a certain number of explosions or then survive for a set amount of time. And so it gives you a specific goal when you go in playing with a specific car. And then always there's these little hidden collectibles. One is activates courier mode where you have to have like a crazy taxi deliver and package from one area to the next. Or there's this uh, pink kind of like brass knuckles item and that lets you be invincible it's kind of like the star power in mario and you can just blast through all the cops and all the traffic and just cause all kinds of damage and no matter what way you play what car you have it's just survive as long as you can as all kinds of cops are coming to your location 
Right, yeah, and the nice thing about all those different vehicles is they do handle differently. So if I have the tractor, there'll be areas with grass, like high grass that hasn't been cut. You can kind of just fly through those and roll right over them where maybe you have a different car, like a sedan, like a giant sedan. He's going to take longer time to go over the grassy areas, so you really want to try to keep him to, to any uh, kind of hardtop areas so he can get a lot of distance between him and the cop. Although you're not going to make it very far until another cop comes flying out. I don't know what the bankroll is they have in these towns for police officers, but they seem to have an unlimited supply of cops and SWAT guys. And there's just tons and tons of vehicles. You're never going to get away too long before another car is going to be on your tail or they've set up a roadblock or something. So you're always constantly having to like quickly turn. And there's nothing better than when you have cops on your tail and all of a sudden you make like a quick shot sharp 90 degree turn they go flying and crash into something and explode and you get to continue on and keep going or you get them to to ride off and go into water and now you're kind of free of them for a little bit before the next group come on and it's just constant action i love the fact that you have that free world to just kind of roam wherever you want you'll end up in like dead ends sometimes and you'll have to try to work your way out before enough cops get in to, to really block you down if they flip you over you can swipe the screen to flip your car back over but if you take too long then all of a sudden an airstrike will come in and try to blow you up so you're constantly in motion but there's so many different little areas to explore and ways that you can get away that you just have so much fun just trying to weave around and get wherever you go and those different car sizes will help with that like i have one tiny little like race car that i have and he can weave in and out of everything and then he can get super air if you go off ramps and so it's just totally different as you unlock those new cars of how the game plays and it just keeps you wanting to play more and see what the different cars will do or different locations look like so they did a really nice job of kind of creating a new experience for this game and just making it much more open world and feel like you have a lot more you can do with the cars. Yeah, the game is action-packed. It's one of the most action-packed games I've played on iOS. There is never a dull moment. Like you said, those cops are on your tail, and then there's so <laughs> many of them. If you last, it's not even like a minute of actual game time, and there's like five cars. You have two big SWAT cars, those fast white police cars, and then the standard police cars, and they're smashing into you, smashing into each other, smashing into traffic. And these cops, they don't have to care about hurting pedestrians or oncoming traffic they just are full <laughs> on trying to destroy you and so you have to react equally like you said when you pull off that tight u-turn and all the cops go flying past you and you're going back the other way and they smash or go into the water it feels so great that you got the you're, you feel so slick that you were able to pull off such an awesome maneuver and it's just so well balanced where each car plays completely different. If you're going for a different mission, it feels like a completely different game. So like I said, that garbage truck or a tractor trailer, you have to make big wide turns. But if you have a little Corvette, you can make tight little weaves through the traffic and the various course of the roads. And it's just a full different experience each time you play so you want to come back and then you want to keep trying to unlock those new cars because you know it's not only going to handle different but it might unlock a new environment or go back to a different environment and there's all kinds of different combinations like i haven't unlocked it yet but one of the 
random shuffles is the Ghostbusters car. Yes, and I, I just that. want to I, unlock I it to see that. what happens. <laughs> yeah, I haven't unlocked that one yet. I did see that one pop up in because it shows you like it just cycling through cars before it picks the one that you get. So you see a couple there, you're like, oh, I hope I get that one, and then it goes by, and then all of a sudden you get something, and then uh, then you're like, oh, I'll try this one out, and then in a little bit, I mean, they aren't. If you're collecting the coins while you're just driving around, you are going to be really slow collecting 100 coins. You you find them periodically as you're driving around, but there is the free rewards that they give you. And then you can watch videos. And you, I think you get about 20 coins each time you watch a video. So if you're willing to watch little short ads, you can quickly get back to get a new car and try another car and another car. So you don't it's it's still fairly quick. You may have to watch a few ads if you don't want to wait too long, but it's it's nice if they're pretty freewheeling with those coins. The one thing I thought you would mention is that in Disney Crossy Road, if you get a duplicate, it generates different coins for a different prize machine. But this game, if you get a duplicate card, you just wasted a hundred coins. I haven't gotten a duplicate yet. So oh, I got I one didn't... duplicate. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, there was going to oh, be that something. Is annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. <laughs> I, I love that about the Disney Crossy Road, with at least they have that other prize machine that you have a chance. I mean, it's a little slower, but you never have a wasted amount of coins. Right. But that's Reckless Getaway 2. I'm having a thoroughly great time with it. And kind of when I talk about these next couple games... I think the problem is that I played Reckless Getaway 2 first, and so that kind of deters my enjoyment of the other ones. <laughs> well, the, the next one we'll talk about, I've never been a fan, but we'll get to it in, in a second, like right now. Yep, so that's Reckless Getaway 2. It's free, it's universal, and if you like action, you'll be right at home. Next up is Zombie Gunship Survival. It's the pseudo-sequel to the first one, and the original takes kind of an interesting twist on castle defense where you have a base you need to protect and there's all kinds of waves of zombies coming towards it and you have a gunship so you have an aerial perspective and you're going to use a big machine gun to try to take out those zombies and it's not going to be precision shooting it's more just laying down a bunch of fire to get rid of these hordes of zombies and so the sequel maintains that but they've changed it up to kind of infuse couple elements of clash of clans though not completely build in battle but that idea is in place where you have like a couple soldiers and they need to go to certain points to blow up specific buildings and you need to lay down cover fire and defeat any enemies and clear their path if there's obstacles with your gunship perspective and then you have a base itself and you need to upgrade your base your base's defenses because every night cycle in the game the zombies attack your base and you need to defend it for as long as possible. So you have specific kind of outreach missions and then you have the classic zombie gunship style. Either way you play, it's the same kind of bird's eye perspective and trying to take out zombies. They just really infuse that clash of clans. Pick your point for your attack and then you need to take out specific bases. Yeah, so it's the Clash of Clans element of this. That I'm not a fan of Clash of Clans, and I don't like this whole base building stuff and having to buy new buildings and repair things, and then, I don't know, it, and even the missions themselves, 
where you're shooting the zombies, you're searching around just trying to find zombies, laying down cover fire. If you fire too much, your gun's going to overheat, and then you have to wait, and then you can fire some more. And you have – right now I have two different guns unlocked, so you can go try the other gun, but it has limited bullets. I don't know. It just felt – super easy for every mission and it was just kind of boring i really don't see the appeal i never saw the appeal the first time around and i really don't see the appeal of this game the second time around especially now they've added clash of clan elements that i just can't stand so (laughs) to me this was a a big no i really didn't enjoy it but I can definitely see there's probably fans of the series that are, I know the first one did really well. So I know there's fans of the series. So this is probably going to do well, especially because I know Clash of Clans is very popular too. But for me, it just didn't really strike any kind of enjoyment. Yeah, I played this game right after playing Reckless Getaway 2. And even if I didn't, this game is just really methodical and kind of tedious to take out these zombies. Like, usually in a zombie shooter, you have that up-close-and-personal gore kind of shot. This game removes that, so you have this night vision idea, but even still, you're just so far away that you don't ever have precision. You're just kind of tapping the fire button and moving the aim arrow again because you have this pretty large box area that's going to hit the zombies. And once you get down to a few zombies, it's really just throwing down some cover fire and whatever you can pinch to zoom for a little bit more precision but not much and it's it's just slow moving and methodical the missions like you said aren't that complex and even when you're defending your base there's more zombie hordes but it's never at the level that the original game really gave you a lot of zombies to blast through it got extremely repetitive because that's all you were doing so this one they tried to make it more varied but in doing so they made it more simplistic so it's kind of a odd balance where they're both off right well i noticed when you're defending at night the really large amounts of zombies really didn't come out until you were practically done the mission anyways so all you had to do was take out one of the large hordes and you were safe anyways so it didn't seem like it was all that difficult either um but uh, yeah all you're doing is basically moving that box around the screen in night vision mode and you're trying to shoot bullets and you're basically shooting in front of the zombies because then the bullets carry backward and take out the whole bunch if you didn't get them all the first time you lay down a little more fire and you try to do it in bursts so you don't overheat the gun but it's do that rinse repeat over and over and over again like there's not really much of a difference every once in a while you have to blow up a building but other than that, it just seemed very, very repetitive. Yeah, it would have been nice if they had some type of tactical strategy because you have those soldiers you kind of need to lead around so they could set up some tactical ideas, but they never go that far. And then since there's that whole Clash of Clans base building, that's where they get you with all the free-to-play elements. But if you don't care about your base, you don't even want to protect your base or build your base, (laughs) that stuff's just annoying. It's breaking up the gameplay, which isn't the greatest to begin with, but it's a lot better than just looking at your base that... Clash of Clans has the appeal that other people can see your base, friends can see your base, there's a whole base kind of idea. But this one, there's no pride in the base. There's no customization or any kind of ideas. It's just protect against the zombies each night cycle. And you got to do better because you're going to get more zombies each night that you go through. Right, right. Yeah, I cared very little about my base, but it forced you to buy all this stuff and position it. And 
yeah, I just felt like it was keeping me from the other gameplay, which was more interesting. Not that it was great, but it was still more interesting to me. Right. So that's Zombie Gunship Survival. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Skullgirls, which is being ported over to iOS, made to be touch accessible. And it's published by Line, which is a chat-based app. And they have a few different games that they've tried. Like they have a Disney Sumsum Match 3 game. And then the Line characters, the bear and the rabbit, they are in these little fighting games. So they have a few ideas like this. Skullgirls, they just essentially slapped the line name on it and it is the classic kind of street fighter mortal kombat game you've played it's 2d combat and then it has the three on three setup or the tag team idea where you can switch out your own teammates like injustice or anything like that and so it takes familiar elements but it does so in a relatively unique style that as well as really deluxe animations for all the action that you're doing. And the touch controls are done relatively well. So you tap for your standard attack, and then you have various swipe forwards. You can swipe up, hold with two buttons to block, switch that block where you swipe down with your block fingers to then break their block, and then you can pull them down and do a special attack. And then you have timed up specials to activate in the bottom left corner. And it's all really easy to do. And then there's a bunch of different ways to play. They have the main story mode. And then there's optional puzzle quests and different kind of connections built into the main game. But the core game is that fighting game you've played before. But really fine-tuned in terms of the animations and the touch controls. Right, yeah. It If you want like a... In ways, it kind of remind me of... I'm trying to remember what the game was. What was the... Um, combo crew is that what it was called yeah yep uh it kind of reminded me that because they use all these swipe and and touch based gestures to pull off like combo moves so you have these various characters and you form your team and you go out and battle and you can tag them in during the battle the and so it's a well-made fighting game in that respect where it's these two like two or however many i don't know if you can get more than two later maybe you could build a team of three later but you start going through the story mode and they do a nice job of introducing you new characters and the different characters have these elements attached so then there's this whole elemental thing where certain elements help fight better against other elements and you go through that whole motions to me the aspect of the game that's going to be polarizing to people is uh, you you said the interesting art style it's the art of the game because they have it takes place in this kind of neat uh like 1940s post-war almost cyberpunky type thing and they have all these characters which are like really over sexualized pinup girls and they're like weird abilities and things so i think right there you're going to have certain people that take offense with the art in this game and if you go past that, I mean, the art is really well done, but it is the content wise what it is that's going to be polarizing. But they do, if you put that to the side, they do a nice job of actually giving the characters different types of attacks and different types of like special abilities and unique abilities that you want to unlock new characters so you see what these new abilities are. And so I think as far as a game-wise goes, I think it's well-made. I just think the the content is going to turn some people off. Like when you have the chick where she has 
large breasts and they're jiggling with like each time that she moves like in street yes. fighter you know the guys are bouncing up and down ready to fight in this case they're doing that but they have to make it overly sexual like you said yes so i i think that it, that's going to be the one aspect of the game that's really going to decide whether or not you want to download it's free to try it so some people will find offense with that and won't even want to play it other people i mean they do do a nice job with the art like it's actually well drawn and well animated and it has this neat um unique like art style to it but as far as the actual content goes that's where i think there's some issues but uh the gameplay wise it works very well uh but yeah so it is what it is i mean it's i'm curious to see how well this does because especially on I, like i think people are tend to be more open to that kind of stuff on like playstation network and and xbox live where this game originated or even the pc market but i have a feeling that it's not going to go over as well and in, in ios but i guess we'll find out the game does have fast fluid combat and the animations are just as fast and fluid to match up with all the different things. And then, like you said, each character has their own unique attacks, own unique combos, and all that is delivered in real time, even when there's a ton of different moves to pull off as you're swiping furiously to defeat the all the different kinds of enemies. Yeah, I was impressed at how well the process... I have an iPad Pro, a 9.7-inch iPad Pro, and I was impressed at how well the processor held up. And the, the it didn't seem like there was any kind of frame rate loss. It just seemed to move very smoothly throughout the throughout the game. Yeah, if you like that classic 2D, just combat, over-the-top action, Skullgirls really nails it. And the theme might be kind of the deciding point depending on your interests and tastes but for just pure fighting action Skullgirls really nails it yes i agree completely and it's free it's universal and finally i wanted to mention uh, another digital board game from asmodee digital that came out this week which is called jaipur it's the digital adaptation of this popular two-player board game and what happens is uh you're it's a each player is a trader in this town of jaipur in india and you are attempting to get them sell the goods for the most money and beat out your opponent by earning the most money by the end of the game. And so it's played over multiple rounds. There's by default, if you play by the standard rules, it's the first player to win two rounds. And what you have is you have a hand of cards and you each player, I believe the first player starts with three cards and the second player starts with five in their hand. And you have a hand limit of seven cards. And what you can do is there's a center row of cards which are dealt out and there's various goods. So there might be gold, there's silver, there's uh, various fabrics, there's wood, uh, all different types and the different types of goods are worth different amounts of money and so for the highest valued goods you need to have at least two of these goods in your hand in order to trade them in and get points for them other goods you can trade in single cards at a time and there's a limited number of these tokens and they start at high values and reduce in value as you go for how much you're going to be able to trade these goods for 
And so the sooner you can trade them in, obviously, the more money you'll make for them. But if you hold on to them, if you could trade in three goods at a time or four goods or five goods, then you also get these bonus tokens, which are worth a uh, some hidden amount of points. So your opponent doesn't know what how many points you got, but you know how many points you got for this little bonus token. So not only will you get the points on the tokens, but you also get these bonus points. So you're trying to... Tr- balance between when do I trade in goods, when do I keep them, and all at the same time, you can always be pulling goods from the center of row. So there's a center row of five cards, and what you can do is, on your turn, choose one card from that center row and put it into your hand, or you can trade in cards from your hand and take in more goods from the center row. But you can never trade a good and grab the same type of good from the center row. So if you're trading, you always have to take something different. Then there's also these camel cards, which kind of act as like wild cards. You can, if you're going to drag, take a camel card from the center row, you have to take them all. And, but those camel cards, they are good for when you want to trade in and grab multiple cards at the same time, but don't want to lose goods that are already in your hand. And then at the end of the game, the player who has the most camels still in their hand has or in their their pile of camels gets another five point bonus at the end. So it's always good to kind of keep those camels and and have them there so you can trade with them or they might be worth points at the end. But it's this fast and furious kind of keep on going back. You're trying to make sure your opponent doesn't get the cards. They you're seeing what they're grabbing. So, you know, if they grab one of these like the red cards, which are the highest valued ones. If they grab one of those, you don't want them to grab another one because then they'll be able to trade in their red cards. So you're constantly having this battle of what do I give up? What do I hold on to? Do I want to go for a certain number and just try to get five of them so I can get that bonus, which could be up to 10 extra points? Or do I just trade in now and then free up my hand to grab more cards? And so they've done a really, really nice job of translating the game into this digital format. The, The layout of the cards is is excellent and every, all the information is right there there's certain things like if you're on a phone where you can't really see how many of these tokens are left clearly you can press and hold your finger and it'll pop it up so you can easily see the the information so they've done a really nice job and the app allows you to play a solo mode which against an ai player and you have a choice of like three difficulty levels you can choose how many rounds you want to do you can also play with the standard rules and then change things so that the prices stay the same so there's not that rush to sell your stuff quicker everything in a certain color is all worth the same price or you can change the number of cards you're allowed to hold so you can reduce it to five and you can re- or increase it to nine. So you can really kind of change up the gameplay. Plus, they also have an online multiplayer, which unfortunately is in real time. So you have to enter this lobby and play. It's not asynchronous, which I would have preferred. And then there's also this awesome like single player campaign, which it's kind of what they did in Splendor, where it really changes up the rules. So in the single player campaign, you're moving from town to town and you have to earn money in order to go and trade in a new town. And you also have to have camels, which you'll collect by winning matches to then be able to travel to these new towns. So each t- each little location you want to move over takes one camel to move that direction. And so you're going to basically make your way through this entire map and playing in each one of these locations, they'll have different rules. So maybe they'll have that five 
hand limit rule versus the seven that's in standard. Or maybe you have to win three times, or maybe you only have to win once. So they, it's a nice way to like mix things up, and you never know what you're going to get. Plus, they have little quests you have to go on. So you'll meet one guy in one town who needs a new flute. So now you have to travel over to this other town, win, play the game, beat it, and then you'll get a flute. That then you can now go back and deliver to him, and he'll give you advice on how to get by another part of the map. So it's a really neat way they've kind of taken the core gameplay, mixed it up, and made it this like quest-like system uh, for that single-player campaign. It totally gives it a new feel for, for the game, even though you're playing the standard game. And I know you've played a bunch. What kind of digital board game would you compare it to in terms of like base style? Uh, I would say it's kind of it's similar to to Splendor. I would say it's similar to Splendor because you're constantly having this thing where you're collecting uh, different types of goods and then deciding when best to trade them. In Splendor, you're trading for like cards in the board. In this case, you're trading for these tokens, which are worth individual points. And this, in this one, you have more of a, you don't really have an engine that you can build up like you can in Splendor, where the cards that you purchase then work for you. So you then have to collect less of these resources. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you end up having to always collect the amount that you want. So you always have to hope that you're, you, this one relies a little more on luck because you have to hope that the cards you want come up when it's your turn to take cards. Otherwise your opponent will take them from you unless their hand is full and they don't want to get rid of anything that's sitting in their hand. So this one definitely relies a little more on luck, but there's still a lot of strategy there as far as when to trade things in, when, how much to collect or what to do with the camels. So uh, there's still a good deal to think about. It's not kind of just you're relying totally on luck. Sounds good. And so that's, how do you pronounce it? Uh, it's called Jaipur. And actually they added this like subtext to it. It's Jaipur, a card game of duels. And so it's right now it's on, it's a universal app and it's on sale for two ninety nine for a special launch price. I don't know what it's going to go up to, but uh, right now two ninety nine is a great price for it. And speaking of digital board games, Asmodee updated a game we talked about a few weeks ago. It's Honorim, which is more of a solitaire card game. And they gave a new mode, which is Glyphs Mode. And it's included free with your original purchase price. And the Glyphs introduce a new door for each of the colors. Oh, there's four colors, and each one had two doors. Now there's three doors to unlock. And the glyphs have are cards that can be dealt, and with them, they give you a special ability to view the next five cards in the hand. And if one of those cards is in the door, is a door, you drag that door to the last spot, and then you can automatically unlock it right then and there without any keys or matching three in the main deck. So it's kind of a quicker way, but then you have an extra door, and then there's always the risk. If w there's no door in those five cards you reveal then those cards go to the bottom of the deck and you wasted your glyph. Well, the glyph is also helpful because now that's one more type you can use when you're trying to get those three differing types when you're yeah. building your sets of three. So it does make it a little bit easier to build those sets of three if you don't use a special power of a glyph. Uh, but again, yeah, you have four more doors you now have to create. So it's a lot more that you have to try and and 
open in, in rather than the eight that's in the standard game. But it does make for a, a, an interesting twist on things to to have that other ability and then also just have that quicker way to unlock them. But again, you're still dealing with those those ten nightmares that you got to watch out for. So. Uh, it, it's definitely a fun way to play. And right now the app, I don't know by the time you hear this, if it's going to go back up to 99 cents, but it is free right now this weekend. Uh, and you obviously get the glyphs, uh, uh, expansion for free as well, but I don't know if they're going to start charging for that expansion separately, or if that's always going to be free. They, they made a point of saying both the app and the expansion are free. So if you haven't grabbed it, you definitely want to grab it, uh, as soon as possible. And I think that's everything for episode 21. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.